You're listening to the Autism Weekly Podcast. Each week, we share community voices and bring light to stories that increase awareness, acceptance, equity, access, and inclusion. If you haven't already, subscribe to join the Autism Weekly family. I'm your host, Jeff Skabitsky. This week, we welcome Clara Garcia, Director of Programs, and Melissa Cardona, Senior Resource Specialist at the Autism Society of Inland Empire. ABS Kids has been able to partner with the organization for several years on programs for the community. They reach a wide network of families, 19,000 individuals, 60,000 family members and professionals who serve them. And they do this in their area with autism support, education, and connection opportunities. Clara and Melissa bring lots of knowledge and experience to our discussion today about building community wherever we are. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Well, I'm excited to be able to chat with you all today because the idea of inclusion, the idea of community supports, I think that that is something that a lot of communities have a hard time with. And I think they have a hard time being able to take kind of the the conceptual idea of that and be able to make it implemented within their community. Um, But before we go there, if you all don't mind just giving a little bit of background is that engaging within the autistic community is that there's oftentimes personal connection. So how did you become involved with the Autism Society of Inland Empire? Maybe Clara, we'll start with you. Thank you. Um, So I'm Clara Garcia, Director of Programs for the Autism Society of Inland Empire. And um, I I got involved because I have two children on the spectrum. And uh, my my work just started with volunteering in different areas, you know, schools uh, or different organizations. And and it just it made a career change for me. I was a counselor before and, and it just changed the trajectory of my uh, my career. So um, I just started, you know, I attended this this sensory movie. Uh, my my baby was three at the time, and that was that was it was a program through the Autism Society, and uh, you know I felt at home when I was there. My baby made noises. She um, she you know she didn't like some of the sound, but the, but everybody in that room was the same. Everybody understood. Nobody looked at us. You know there was no judgment. So um so. In being a family that, that that was provided that service later on, when finding out about the organization, I knew that I had to be part of it and you know helping to make a difference. So that's my personal. And it's it's amazing how those personal events and how that one opportunity to kind of see what the community can do can change somebody's whole career tra- trajectory. Yes. But at the yeah. same time, it brings so much talent into the community helping to support inclusion, awareness, acceptance, everything that you need within the autism community. It's And Melissa, is, is, did you have a similar path? Actually, I do. I My name is Melissa. I'm the Senior Resource Specialist for the Autism Society. Thank you for having us on today. I have four children and I do have two boys with autism. And I do share a similar story like Clara. I was seeking acceptance with my children out in the community. And I found a group of moms at a camp that was for children on the spectrum. And that is where I met Clara. And she was just such a supportive friend at the time. This was a decade ago when we met. My son was probably two, two or three. And it was just welcoming to know 
and to see that that I'm, I wasn't alone in the journey. So just many, many years of friendships. And then we just started volunteering and collaborating with other organizations um, throughout the community. And years later, we both ended up at the Autism Society and we still doing what we love and spreading advocacy and awareness and inclusion out in the community. And I, I heard the word acceptance from both you all while we were talking through this. And I think that that probably is one of the most empowering things in the world is feeling like wherever I'm at, I'm going to be accepted, whether that's as a family member, an individual, no matter who we are, is we want to feel accepted. Does that fall in line with the missions of the Autism Society of the Inland Empire? Is that kind of the, the major focus? And maybe, Clara, you can give us a little bit more of a context to that. Yes, most definitely. Um, so we create, you know, the connections to empower our community to to have the resources to, uh, you know, just continue to to live a full life, you know, for each person, right? And um, and so acceptance is is and providing a safe space for our families is is one of the major things that we do, um, whether it be training uh, other other organizations or providing those family events that's that's the, the number one most important thing no and and for sure is that in order for somebody to feel comfortable within their own voice being able to advocate for themselves the first step would be is that i need to know that the world around me is seeing who i am and accept the lens that i see the world through um, what are some of the ways, what are some of the events or the ways that the Inland Empire uh, Autism Society that they're able to advocate or, or voice this or teach this? Have, have there been specific events that you guys have been able to work through with the community? Well, we provide a, a variety of, of different programs. So we, for our individuals, uh, we have over 20 programs every month, but uh, we provide uh, advocacy. We provide educational workshops. We provide programs. We kind of fill a need where, where there is one, right? We take surveys of our families to see and our, our professionals to see what is the need on a yearly basis so that we can see where our needs do, do families have, where are the schools uh, at, right? Like there's different schools that have uh, have different needs, different school districts. There's so many school districts, right? And if we look at the themes, if there's there's certain types of needs, then that's that's where what we do. We fill those those needs in in those spaces. No, and and there are so many needs, and they differ. It's such a, a broad spectrum of services and broad spectrum of needs that are out there. Is that whether it's the community or the school, is that everybody needs a, a different resource. Um, and maybe uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually pose the scenario and, and Melissa, maybe as a, as a resource specialist, you can give me some guidance on this. But um, so one of the things that have happened in, in my community is, is my daughter came home. She's, she's very involved with trying to make sure that inclusion is a part of her world um, and trying to advocate for um, autistics and neurodiversity in general. Um, but she was telling me, Dad, there's a problem with inclusion right now is that having this individual that's in her class sit in the back of the class with their headphones on, not participate, not engage, and call that inclusion because they happen to be in the same room, there's a 
problem there that that she identified, and I, I couldn't help but agree with her, is that there's something wrong with that. So as a, as a resource specialist, what would you be guiding a family to say, hey, you know what, these are some things that maybe you should reach out to or some ideas that are people to bring into the conversation to really emphasize what inclusion could be. And maybe defining inclusion might be the starting point. I mean, it is a good start being in the same general education, or at least we're starting somewhere rather than being in a separate classroom setting. Um, then it kind of has to work from there. There are baby steps. We have to remove the barriers that are in place. And by her being in the class, that's a start. Then by having the teacher awareness, do the children know? Because it is an invisible disability. That's the hardest part of autism. You can't see it. So the presence of it for children, it's unknown from others. So I feel like teachers, professionals, adults need to educate their children on the differences, not just in autism, but all different abilities. And once we start there, the acceptance starts coming in. Having visuals, having, hey, just go say hi, starting little baby steps, come join us. And from there, then they're realizing they're just like us. Even though we all have our differences, we all have different social preferences, um, we learn differently and communicate differently. We all want the same thing. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted for who we are. So that fact that she's in there and not isolated, I think it's a really great step. And I'm really happy that your daughter was able to see that. And that is a role model that we need as children and adults. She sees the problem. Now let, let me help fix it. Let me help guide everybody else and become a leader to help those that need a little bit more help out in society. And that's how the inclusion and acceptance and even having like the sensory awareness starts because she's gonna learn through that how to be a great role model for our community. I would add, it's a great opportunity to meet people. One of the things that we say a lot is meet people where they are. Um, and it was a great opportunity for your daughter to come and, and say to you, um, this is what's going on. And a great opportunity for you to ask, right, questions uh, without blaming or without, um, you know, like like Melissa said, there, the start is there already. So like, what can I do to support, like, like uh, let's say I have all these autism resources. What can I do to support, you know, you as a teacher or uh, to, to teach about inclusion or, uh, you know, just kind of the community in general, this is where we can start asking questions instead of saying this is, you know, and, and sometimes sometimes that's necessary, right, for advocacy. This is not right. But sometimes some people don't know. Some people don't know about inclusion. Some people don't know that that it makes, you know, others because we think we are putting in an effort, uh, you know, that that connection isn't being made yet. So so we've got to we've got to make that bridge between you know where 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 they are and where we are and just uh you know by providing training by providing resources by um having you know these discussions right at home at mm -hmm. home is where it starts by having these discussions with you know if you're a member of a of a of a board or if you're a member of you know of your community social rec department so that's that's where you can make those connections and start talking, you know, like bringing uh, those issues to the table. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of conversation instead of, um, you know, why isn't this being done? It's like, oh, how can we make this happen? 
Yeah. And and I think that even the term inclusion is one that needs to be a conversation around it. There needs to be a real discussion because the way that I see inclusion, and I mean, if I were to be asked to define it, I'd be looking at, okay, so what inclusion to me is, is empowering somebody to contribute and participate in whatever environment they want to be in to the best of their ability. And that's the way that I see inclusion, but that takes resources. Others might see inclusion as, you know, I just want somebody to be a present or to be in the environment, but maybe participation isn't the goal. Maybe it's just having opportunity to be there is enough. What is what is it the way that maybe the Autism Society of Inland Empire, what is the way that you all look at inclusion when you're looking at community access, when you're looking at um, even school accesses? How would you even define that when you're talking to a family? Well, it looks different for each family member. Um, you know, some some family members, I, I know a family in particular that does not want inclusion because, you know, she's afraid that her um, little one will get hurt in that environment. Um, and so what inclusion means to her is just providing a safe space for her her child to be able to go to school, you know, participate in events um, and, you know, that are provided by either organizations. Um, and so that's, that's her form of inclusion, having enough, like you're saying, supports like respite and, and, uh, any other kind of supports needed at home. That's what it looks like for her. But and I'll speak for myself. Inclusion is 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 a little bit looks a little bit different. Where I want to include my um, children in activities, um, and I'll tell you, it goes two ways too. I want to include my children in activities that are like general population, right? And without having to say like hey, that this person has autism and I want them to be accepted. But but the other part that I do want to talk about inclusion is that sometimes organizations, you know, and, and which is why we we try to always include the siblings in the family, because it it all of us, right? All of us that are going through this, you know, and sometimes the siblings aren't allowed into we'll talk about art program, right? At, at the social rec. If it's art camp for special needs, it's just special needs. And if it's art class for, for typical kiddos, uh, then it's just typical kiddos. So, so that's where we have to go both ways, right? Like the organizations have to learn to include the, the family as a whole and the community needs to include the family as a whole and, and ask, they need to ask too, how can we support you? No, absolutely. And, and Melissa, in, in your role, when you're helping people to find the resources, is, is the first conversation really trying to get to that understanding of, you know, where are you as a family? Like, what is it that you define these things as? What is your value system? What are you hoping for? Is that is that rather than bucketing people and saying you have to do this, you have to focus on this? Is it really exploring what's important to that family structure? Yes. Whenever I take a phone call, I always ask the families, what do you want? I can share my personal opinions my goals in my children's life, but my goals are just my goals. It's not their goals. So we start off with, I meet them where they are. So I have families of children, teenagers, or adults. I start off with children. They're just at the beginning and it's a very lonely beginning. And they're just looking for someone to, who understands because their family members and their friends might not even know what autism is. And they don't know what it really is either. They just came from the doctors with a note. So we start off with short-term goals. 
I don't want them to look at, oh, what's going to happen in 20 years? What's going to happen as an adult? Because I know when my son was diagnosed, he was 18 months. And I'm like, oh, gosh, he's never going to leave the house. Like I thought 20 years from now. And I that was hard. And I shouldn't have done that. I should have said, OK, let's me set short term goals. So that way they're realistic goals. And I feel good to celebrate all the small accomplishments. So I kind of help them and guide them to feel okay that it is it is a sad and hard journey but it's a rewarding one at the end and we get to see through them and how our children learn different and they teach us so much and it's it's just rewarding and it's so crazy like wow that's how they view it and it's it's just I don't know it's such a cool thing to be able to experience along with them I never meet them I don't know their children but I get to become a part of their lives even if it's 10-15 minutes and that part I really enjoy and letting them know that you have someone not just as an employee of the autism society, but as a parent who has gone through the journey, like I genuinely understand where you're at. And so mm-hmm. I, I start with them just little baby steps. Do you want to tackle the school? Do you want to figure out the medical part? I don't want to bombard them with like, oh, here's a manual because there is no manual. I want them no. to, to feel comfortable and not say, you know what, this is too much and give up because that is the truth. Sometimes as parents, we want to give up, wave the white flag, but we can't. We have to continue advocating for our children because we want them to be successful individuals. So that is how I start with the with the resources, just little by little for them to feel like, okay, I can do this. I have the strength. Let's let's move forward. Once their grieving part goes through, because it is a roller coaster of emotions. So I'm I enjoy being with them through every step of the way. It's not easy, it's hard, and there's a lot of obstacles and a lot of bumpy roads that we have to go through. But having someone there, whether it's a friend, family, or just a stranger, it's it's good to go through it together. Yeah, I think that's just a, a solid life lesson as opposed to anything else is that yeah. it, this might be a different challenge in life and it might be one that that people are working through as far as how to how to understand how to how to recompartmentalize what you thought was going to be the way that you're going to be living your yeah. life and, and how to make it something new, something fresh and something that you're going to enjoy just as much, but it's different. And at the same time, those manageable goals, I think that no matter who we are, if we have manageable goals, it makes our life so much more enjoyable because you're feeling successes along the way. When um, Claire, you had mentioned in the beginning is that, and and I'd love to kind of go into this uh, a little bit more on all the realms, but you had mentioned the sensory friendly events. And when I think of that, is that, I mean, I'm thinking about so many ways that could be included, whether it's at restaurants, whether it's at movie theaters, whether it's at uh, sporting events, whether it's at, at, it could be gyms, it could be anything, is that there's ways to be able to modify the environment to make it more inclusive just by changing small little things. Does, is this is this something that you all have been able to successfully work with community partners on to be able to create similar opportunities for everybody just by modifying small little little nuances to how it looks? Most definitely. There's um, we we developed a curriculum to uh, provide that kind of like that feedback but this is what autism looks like and it could look like you know differently for everyone right and depending on who they are if it's um 
I did a, a summer camp training last year, um, and and some of the things that we talked about is you know giving uh, people space or allowing them to get up and and walk if they need to uh, because they can't sit down for the full time. Uh, just being able to put that the conversation about who our families are, and I remember going to one at golf uh, place in in the valley and. Uh, and they were, you know, they they're like, we know we have kids on the spectrum. They won't tell us, but we know we do. So we need, you know, to know what what to do when these things happen, and um and all their instincts because they're teachers, right? They're they're coaches. That all their instincts were good and correct, and it was just kind of like giving them some like extra pointers or 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 separating facts from myths. Um, for them that it was like, oh, okay, you know, not all our, our kiddos are savant or our adults are savant, right? We, they, 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 it can, they can struggle in different areas, not, not just because, um, you know, they, one of the, the, the things that we hate to hear is like, well, they speak so well, right? It's like, uh, yeah, but it doesn't mean that they're not struggling like with processing or they're not struggling with the sensory, like with the with all the noises and um, and just being aware that that person could be struggling uh, gives you a whole different perspective, you know, and then that's what inclusivity is about. Right. Just being able to be in these um, places and it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if if you have headphones, it doesn't matter if you're on your iPad because it's, you know, it's, it's too stimulating. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that I like, I love, um, about the autism society that we provide, um, you know, uh, Melissa is putting on a program right now where they're going to go to an arcade, which is, which is loud, right. It's Mm -hmm. loud. It's, but it's giving that opportunity to provide, to, to, again, provide that safe space, but that, that space where hey, you can practice this without judgment. Everyone else that's going to be there is in the same, you know, boat. And and as we practice these typical activities and then, uh, you know, because we do exclusive events, right? And then we do um, practicing these activities, but then we go out into the community and talk about, hey, can you include us? And, and you know, both of us are getting that that experience, right? Our families are getting that experience, and so are the organizations out there. So, and and having just some of those myths debunked, or just kind of some of the things that maybe you ask yourself before responding, are so helpful. Is that if you take that that situation of a child who may be wearing headphones, is that you have a couple assumptions society is going to make? One is I can't approach this person. Well, that's probably not true. I mean, you can approach them. You can talk with them. They might be using that to be able to buffer some of the outside noise, but maybe they still do want to engage with you. And by you not approaching, maybe you're taking away that opportunity. Maybe the answer is I ask. I, I ask them, hey, you know, would you like to would you like to be a part of this? Or I ask a family member. Is it, is it all right if I if I include them? Is, is this something that they'd want to be able to be able to engage in? The other things are some of those assumptions as far as, you know, oftentimes we will disregard somebody because they don't respond the way we expect them to based off of how we want everybody to be kind of in the same bubble. And that can push somebody aside and just giving them that knowledge that maybe your manual does to say, hey, look past that. 
understand that if they're not looking at you, that doesn't mean that they don't want to be a part of whatever conversation. It just might not be the way they engage and continue to find ways to be able to support that. I think all of those little tidbits of information are so helpful. When you go into these community environments, how much of it really is about coaching the community versus coaching the the family or the participant or the the child who's involved to be a part of it? That's a tough question because it's continuous work. It is continuous work. It's not, um, let's say we... Um, train parks and recs or we have those conversations with with the school board right different people are coming in and we don't know what they know and um and they don't know what we you know or or they might not know that we have all these resources so um it's a constant like uh, continuous artwork right you, you have to continue the work the conversations the the collaborations a piece all around that you have to continue to to um educate and listen to right one of the the things that uh melissa and and our info and referral team do is um they listen to all of the issues that are coming up and and if we see on on a larger scale hey there's a lot of adults you know calling in and that is one one and i think this is nationwide um you know they're not employed our adults are not employed mm-hmm. there's there's uh, less programming and uh so that's that's a point of advocacy then we start doing on a bigger scale uh and and that's continuous work. We've been working on that for many years. I, I know our executive director, Beth, is that's her like main drive. And um, and I mean, she's gotten further along and further along, but it's it's not a fast process. Right. It's not a fast mm-hmm. process to to change um, legislation or, or a whole, you know, whole system. Yeah. And even unconscious bias. Is that, I mean, a lot of times is that somebody is extremely competent at whatever skill you're hoping that they're going to be able to do, but they might not interview well. It might not be their forte. So you close the door on somebody before they even get there. And there's a lot of training programs for that as well. So I'm from the, I mean, I'm from the treatment world as much as I am for, for advocacy as far as being able to create inclusion, acceptance, and be able to broaden opportunity for people. And I think that the question I asked is hard because I think there's a balance. I think that you've got to coach the community. You have to create opportunities. You have to remove barriers that don't need to be in place. But like anything else in life is that if I see something that's holding me back, I want to be able to build that skill set. I want to be able to incorporate that into, into my own abilities is say, okay, well, let me let me see what I can do. At the same time, the community needs to meet me halfway there so that we can kind of get there and, and kind of work as a partnership. Is that is that kind of some of the dance and some of the balance that that you're working through with families? And Melissa, maybe as a resource specialist, you'd be in that same boat as trying to say, hey, you know what? There's things that you can advocate for. Then there's also the treatment side of things. Let's figure out the best balance of everything. Yes, and I wanted to add to the question you asked before. One of the community trainings that is important, I think, to the Autism Society as a whole is the law enforcement. And that is something that we've also worked with to train for law enforcement to interact with our families. And I just wanted to throw that in there as well, because that one is important for me, especially having a teenager who's starting to go out. And I'm like, okay, you know, 
make sure like the surround I can never teach him because it's not enough he has to be put in the scenario I don't want him to be put in the scenario but I'm happy to know that we are training officers to work with our community know how to de-escalate without it escalating to be bigger so I didn't want to throw that in there that with the training I feel that it's different when it's a parent versus actually training or teaching I should say my child and teaching the community and teaching yeah. component I think will make it better in the awareness back to the awareness it's always what it comes down to one um, of the cool things about that right now Melissa that I've seen especially when you're talking about danger situations so you're talking about things that you want to expose somebody to but you don't want to put them in the environment where they have to deal with it and that could be even on the on the lens of the the law enforcement they're not going to know what this feels like until they're seeing it Virtual reality has come such a long way to be able to help out on some of those programs, to be able to create some of those opportunities. And I think what we have to be creative in the way that we're trying to be able to educate, inform, and also create situations where it's like, hey, let's live this so that we're not responding emotionally at a time where we need to calm down and and really take into consideration all the factors. But I, I'm glad that you brought that up. I try to do like, okay, there's a fire. Our our response is flight or fight. So he would probably he would probably stay there. I don't know. I I luckily thankful we've never been through it, but I do teach him, hey, here's the ladder, here's the fire thing. Those are things and programs that are important. And we have been able to partner up with other organizations to teach our families and our community because that's the hard reality of autism. It's we have to teach little baby steps. That things that people think come like, oh, it's common sense to us, but it's not. They need to learn every little step of life skills. Thankfully, we have ABA programs, OT, all those are able to together with all the services teach our families life skills. As much as it's great to have education, life skills are also important for our adults to be able to function independently. And that's our that's our goal, to, to live a great, mm -hmm. successful, independent life. Yeah, the idea of being able to be able to make your own decisions through life because you have been empowered with all the skills necessary to do so, I think that's so important for every single individual, myself included. I want to make my own decisions. So. Yeah, yeah. And even if um, somebody can't make those decisions, being aware that, uh, okay, here's what we can do. But I, w I wanted to piggyback off of... Um, uh, Melissa's uh, talking about training so it's also the police officers are training us as well like uh, they're training us to, to to let us know like what are their absolutes right like you cannot you know put your hands in your backpack because you know to take out an ID to show them because that's not what they're instructing you to do or um, they, we're learning from them too like what their primary sources to keep the the community safe right and, and don't call them if you know if uh if your kid won't do something right like what they're training us and more beautiful thing is that we have our uh, adults on, on the spectrum come in and talk with the police officers so they're getting that engagement both of them and uh it's just that's been a wonderful collaboration as well just with the police officers and we're, we're getting a lot of um calls from you know different uh police officers it's just like the understanding and and uh hey you know this is a resource and they're sending them to us and that's been you know thank you melissa for bringing that up because that's been a beautiful collaboration as well it's all important because our families are starting to want to go out in the community and it's important for the training overall to be 
And we're training our families too. We're training our families like, hey, um, this is what happens when this happens. Like all of us, right? Because you talked about that balance of coaching, you know, the community. But so if we give, you know, police officers all this training, but we also have to give our families like, this is what you can expect if this happens. So Mm -hmm. um, it's that balance of everybody being in the know. Yeah, and it sounds like you all as an organization have been able to kind of encourage that intersection of ideas where good decision making is typically done. It's not done on a one-way road going out of town. It's it's done where everybody's coming together and kind of almost at that town hall of, you know, we're all going to meet yes. here and mm-hmm. figure out the best solution. So what is it that that you all have on the horizon right now for 2023? Are there some are there some big things that are that we should be looking at? Are there things that other organizations should be watching and maybe emulating as time goes on? Well, our hopes are that uh, we continue to collaborate with uh, with the police officers and uh, and with the community in general. We are uh, hoping to to take the the training, the sensory uh, training, to a bigger scale uh, as well. You know, our our programs continue uh, on a weekly basis from programs. So we serve ages zero to ninety nine. Uh, we have trainings for parents, uh, educational workshops for professionals. So we provided a slew of uh, programs and family events. That's that's the fun one, the family events. That's the the, the ones that uh, M- Melissa takes part of that, you know, she absolutely loves to plan. So, and they're, and they're inclusive of the whole family. And what I was talking about, siblings, it's not just for the individuals. It's inclusive of everyone. And and uh, some of those, we partnered up with ABS Kids, partnered up with the Trunk or Treats and, uh, and continue to provide those safe spaces for our families to practice. But most importantly, we are going to have a autism walk in April and April is acceptance month, so uh, we're going to have it out April 30th at March Air Force Base. We we have the safe date. Uh, we'll have more details soon, but that'll be on our website. Yeah, and one of the things that uh, that I've been very excited about within the autistic community is the sharing of ideas, the sharing of resources, the ability to kind of piggyback off each other and not have to go through the learning experience again and again. So what would be the easiest way for folks to be able to access, learn about your events, whether that is another community partner, whether that is a family, a provider, uh, or a self-advocate to know, you know, where I can go? And I mean, is there a Facebook page? Is there, what's what's the best way to find all these resources? So we have all our social media here. <laughs> uh, so we have ieautism.org. Um, they, that's our website. And we do have a, a Facebook page, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, you know, all the, all the social media. Uh, we're at Autism Society Inland Empire. Uh, and, I, and I did want to ask Melissa, because, you know, we all have different points of views, if there was anything in 2023 that she was looking forward to. So as Clara said, my favorite is social rec because I just love interacting with the families and connecting the children. I know when autism many, many years ago, there wasn't that many services, community outreach programs and having to, even if it's just one program a year, being able to connect the community and have a place, safe place for our community to go, whether it's karate classes, I mean, art classes, music therapy, those little opportunities expand and it allows us to see oh our kiddos can draw like 
I didn't know my son can draw until he went to an art class. I would have probably never signed him up for a typical class because I would have been, the, the thing is, I, you're, we're scared. We're scared of the judgment. So being able to connect with the community and teach and allow them to collaborate and have inclusive um, programs, it's something that I passionate about. And I'm really excited that this year we're actually able to host a summer camp. And we collaborated with a art performing arts organization and with their curriculum and our community and our um, professionals, I think it's going to be such a great camp. And it's not just for special needs, it's for uh, special needs individuals and their siblings, because that's who they're going to, that's their bond right there, your, your siblings. Mm -hmm. So it is important to include them. I have three kiddos that have special needs and I have one neurotypical and it, it hurts sometimes when he's like, oh, I have a lot of responsibility on my shoulders when I get older. And I'm like, uh, but I want him to, to realize he's not alone. Look at all these other siblings as well, that their heart is in the places. This is who, these are their siblings. This is where the love is. And yes, you carry a lot more than other siblings do, but you're not alone. And these other children you, I hope to grow up with and you become friends with, you guys have your, each other's support. Cause as much as they, can only tell us they have other children. So the mm. summer camp, one of my, well, our things that I want to do is have a sibling support group there, not just parents, but the siblings. I They're always excluded. And the Autism Society does not exclude the siblings. And I think they're an important part of the autism community as well. So that one is one of our big ones, at least for me, the social rec part. Mm -hmm. We started more in-person activities. Another one is, um, I don't know if it's nationwide, but I feel like here, there's not a lot of teens, the 13 to 17 year old, it's everything ends at 12. So um, we've created a teen program and it's been going well. They were so happy. We just didn't, we went to Purple Easel and did art and just to see their faces, the language of love was the smiles. I had all, all on the spectrum of autism and they all connected. None of them knew. I had two kids who communicated with their iPad. No one saw anything different. Just the smiles said, said it all. And that was just amazing. And I'm excited to continue forward with these programs. Well, I appreciate the the lens of support that you all have. I mean, it's such a broad lens. It's almost like kaleidoscope of here, here, here. But that's I, honestly, I think that's where it starts. It's It's saying that, you know, I get one successful event in one of these domains and it's a force multiplier for everybody to start following suit and it creates 10 more events somewhere else and it's just feeling that success so i appreciate all the work that you all have done and uh, clara melissa thank you for joining us today I, I feel like i walked away learning so much so i would imagine that others will and i hope that people reach out to the autism society of the inland empire or other autism societies to be able to continue these conversations Yes. And then to stay up to date, subscribe to our newsletters. That's we send out newsletters with all of our events. Um, not only our organization events, other organizations, we share their programs because we, you know, we can't do it alone. So yes. we on our newsletter, everything's on there. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. No, thank you, thank for, you having for having us. Thank you for listening to Autism Weekly. We hope you tune back in next week to learn more about autism in the real world. Autism Weekly is now found on all the major listening apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. Subscribe to be notified when we post a new podcast. Autism Weekly is produced by ABS Kids.
ABS Kids is proud to provide diagnostic assessments and ABA therapy to children with developmental delays like autism spectrum disorder. You can learn more about ABS Kids and the Autism Weekly Podcast by visiting abskids.com. Thanks for tuning in. See you again next week.